Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, here we are of uh, week two of what I'm calling When the Cats Away, the Mice Play. Um, another roundup with Robbie... I'd like to make fun of Robbie for not being here for the roundup, but he actually has so much going on um, in his life that I'm not going to be too harsh on him with things that he's trying to uh, accomplish. So we've got Aaron here, another another member of the Blood Origins team to join me on the roundup this week. Aaron, how you been? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. It's too hot. What's the weather in Maine right now? Like, what's the, what's what's your high temp out there? Right now, it's it was 82 today. We hit 98 at my house today, and it's uh, that's my least favorite. At least it's not humid because I can't, you know, I just can't handle that. But as I get older, the heat uh, heat wears me out. I spent a lot of time in the air conditioning today. I saw something on, like, Facebook, one of the memes. It was, like, 87 days till fall. Right. It's one day closer to hunting season. Right, right. That part of it's true. I do like the rotation of the seasons up here. I feel like they're all just about perfect for me. Yeah. In the sense that 
when when fall gets here, I'll be ready for fall. And then when the snow comes, I'll be ready for snow. And then when the snow goes away, I'm kind of ready for the snow to go. You know, I I like that. Uh, yeah. That good rotation of things like that. But um, it's definitely a hot one today here in Colorado. It's kind of kicking my butt. Summer's my least favorite because you have the heat, the humidity, bugs. Nope. I don't want any. Right. The only thing for me lately or for the last few years with summer is that the fly fishing really, really gets good. And I've become a fairly serious gardening nerd. Like, not good at it, but spend a lot of time on it. Like, trying to have like produce. Are you able to actually like pull things out of your garden and eat them? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you're successful. You're all good. Well, well, I think success would be not near as much. Like, I, I still have a lot of things. Um, I got more embarrassed by a gray squirrel for about 15 days than, than a human being than a human being should. I mean, he did whatever he want, whenever he want, and right in front of me, multiple times eating my produce while looking at me stalking up on him out of the corner of my eye and then darting away correctly the right time i did get him he's he's no longer a uh i would have i would have gotten the 22 out real quick i did well i have a i have a an air gun yeah i have a pellet gun that's more than equivalent enough but a bunch of my stuff's on a deck right next to these huge bay windows so and the deck is fenced off, and he would eat right next to the like. It was a tactical. <laughs> battle. It was. Uh, I mean, I, I really wanted to save my lettuce, but it wasn't worth a twelve foot by eight foot double pane yeah, no. bay window. That that part of it was so. It was very uh, strategic. Total of six traps were set for this one squirrel. Um. He, I watched him manipulate two of the traps and just come up and set them off so he could take the bait off of it after he whacked at it and set it off. Um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a historical battle. Um, I did come out the victor, but uh, our lettuce crop was completely ruined. Nine lettuce plants, like pulled them out of the ground to eat them. And it was a gray squirrel. Yeah, who. Honestly, I'd catch him sometimes, and he'd be so fat on butter lettuce that did, that I one time. Did you eat him? Like, no, he got transported. Oh. My 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 wife uh, did not think it was fair that we baited the squirrel in with the garden and killed it and ate it. Um, he got so fat one time, I almost caught him on foot. Like, he sat for so long, <laughs> I almost caught him with a rock in my hand on foot. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, I, I got my tail kicked. But I, I do like, there's something about gardening that, like, weirdly, you know, when old people talk about how they enjoy it and then make, uh, maybe I'm just getting old, because I really do like the fact that I do everything from seed. Right. And so, it, it's pretty cool that I go out and you know, spend 10 bucks on seed and I now have about 60 plants growing in, right. in the backyard. And, uh, and we've had multiple salads and some carrots and potatoes already. Yeah. 
anyway, that's my defense of, I don't like it when it's hot either, but I am starting to like the gardening time of year. Excellent. Um, In true Robbie style, what are you drinking this evening? Um, I have, I'm on my last bottle of the first case that I bought of the, <laughs> of the Degave Extra that has caused so much uh, conversation here on the show from, uh, I did order another case. Like I thought they're not responding. I don't want to badmouth them, but we've had like 35 or 40 people now send us a screenshot of them reaching out to Peach Street Distilleries in Palisades, Colorado. And no one's responded. I don't want to badmouth them. You know, you never know what's going on or how busy they are or what's happening up there. Um, and then I thought maybe I should move on to something else because they won't reply, but I like it too much. So I ordered another case from the liquor store, but that's my, uh, that's my drink of choice and I should have another case this week. So Excellent. And you, what's your beverage? I'm drinking Freedom's Edge Cider, which is a local hard cider. You always have the you always have the coolest names of things. We do. We Maine has like one of the highest um, beer cider breweries, I think, in the country. Right. We like our alcohol, apparently. Yeah. So it's delicious, and I. It's a good thing to do. Yep. We did get one text off of uh, Alaska and I from the roundup last week. It's from Josh in Tennessee. First of all, he says, great job, which I think is implying he likes to round up better without Robbie. But um, he, we, we talked a little bit. I know you said you listened to last week's roundup. We talked a little bit about uh, sometimes I put my tinfoil hat on and I get worried when they start talking about other forms of funding for conservation, right? Yeah. I very clearly stated that I think it's wrong. I think the thoughts I have are wrong. Right, we should get more money for conservation. Um, but I do sometimes go through this, you know, Alaska, maybe not fairly, but he called them the REI crowd, which I I've spent money at REI before, but right. but it's kind of a good way to sum up, you know, if that crowd, I I don't know, we had the whole go listen to last week's roundup if you want to have more want to hear more discussion about it, but. Uh, Josh says that he kind of agrees with us, but at the same time thinks that the skiers, campers, backpackers, hikers should have some skin in the game and more money would be good. Mm -hmm. Um, Thanks for the comment, Josh from Tennessee. I think you're spot on. I'm just admitting that I get this. What's going to happen when they get more say because they're providing the funding. I I get that. uh, I just worry about it. Right. Well, I think that's, you know, I did, so I'm part of my local Rotary Club. I'm the only hunter. And so I actually did a presentation about getting my Grand Slam last year. And the amount of money that I put into the main economy through hiring guides, butcher shops, taxidermy, um, travel, all of that stuff. And I'm saying this so that, like, my significant other does not hear me. Um but I spent right. I spent over ten grand in just just hunting stuff last year, um, and so my my pitch to my fellow Rotarians was how much are you putting in for wildlife conservation and beyond hunting, you know, just regular 
conservation efforts to either preserve land or work on some, you know, salamander study or owl study or a snowshoe hare study that my dollars are helping to pay for. And I wanted them to sort of realize how much hunters, you know, how much one single hunter shelled out for three, four months of hunting. Yeah, never, and and the amount of money having never left your home state, right? And for for that specific example, I mean, um, yeah, it is pretty amazing. And and uh, to tag on to that, or to slightly veer off of that, a uh, gentleman in the House of Representatives in mm-hmm. Georgia, I believe, in the last forty eight hours is when I started seeing the news. Yeah. Um. This is going to be an example, in my mind at least, of the fact that Blood Origins does not pick a side of the aisle. Because this gentleman is a Republican, mm-hmm. and he's making claims that Pittman-Robertson is a violation of Second Amendment rights. First of all, legally, that's way off base. It's it's a tax, is right. what it is. Right. And taxes on things are allowed by the federal government. That being said, I more often than not am opposed to most of the taxes that the federal government levies on us um, because I don't see any real return in value. Not in principle, but I don't understand the necessity for some form of government that has to collect taxes to sustain itself. But the specific taxes, most of the time I'm opposed to, Pittman-Robertson is not one of them. Right. Um it's also one that the people paying it, at least as far as I'm aware of, there's been very little pushback in history. No, it was self-imposed. Really. Right, exactly. I mean, hunters, hunters basically put it on themselves in order to generate these sorts of funds. And we've done that since the beginning by adding crossbows, ammunition, you know, throughout its inception adding right. new things so that we can continue to tax ourselves so that we can continue to pay for conservation. Tax ourselves there as well as pay for the hunting license, as well right. as buy the tag, as well as buy the parking permit for the park here in Colorado. Yep. Um, none of that stuff. I get pretty riled up about the government sticking its hand in my pockets. Not those things because I see the benefits. I see real solid, tangible benefits yeah. and not just for hunters, right? Like right. folks need to understand that all these trails that Colorado parks and wildlife maintains and puts out, that's all coming yeah. from fees and regulations and Pittman Robertson money, all of it. Right. Um. So that being said, um, if you get a chance, and this thing grows any legs, which I'm forecasting right now, it's not going to grow any real legs. Um, if it does, please fire it up. We lose yeah. Pittman-Robertson, um, and we're going to have real, real problems. That's a tax that's worthy of our, uh, worthy of the government uh, dipping their hand in it. And um, in no way whatsoever, not even remotely, is it a violation of your Second Amendment rights? What's our what's our text number? And people can send you messages. Yeah, let me know what you think about that one at 620-860-4804. Send us a message about anything, really. Yeah. I read them all. I reply to 99% of them, and 50% of them make the show. 
some of them I'm just in conversations with people now that aren't even really about anything. They don't all make the show, but, uh, but uh, they all get read nearly instantly when you send them to 620-860-4804. Or you can send us an email to info at bloodorigins.com with any replies or comments or thoughts. People have started sending article ideas, which I really like. Awesome. We work our butts off with Google Alerts. Yeah. Um, watching other people's legislative updates. We really try to be at the tip of the spear on see knowing what's going on and the hot topics kind of in the in the hunting world around the world but send us a text or an email if something's going on in your neck of the woods and we'll uh we'll go from there one of our uh, one of our articles today i sent you the montana article right yes i'm not completely i'm not completely uh do you understand what's going on? Let's dive into the articles. Do you get... I had to... So I read the article, and then I had to go and try to like read the lawsuit itself. And it's almost... And I, I think what I couldn't quite comprehend is that it wasn't the hunters that were pushing for more elk to be killed. Am I reading that the right way? That it's basically the landowners that are mad because the elk are eating all of their plants and stuff. And so they want the uh, wildlife agency to basically bring the elk population back to the um, objectives that they had set for a healthy, you know, social, I guess, carrying capacity, maybe more so than biological carrying capacity. Am I reading that right? Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. But I think this is one of the mo- I think this is a very, very convoluted thing that's happening because what you have is a group of landowners have formed an organization in Montana um, and have filed lawsuit against the state with their goal of there being more elk tags given out in the state. Right. OK, that part of it right there. I will I will state as fact. OK. Then you have about 14 conspiracy theory sprouts, which I don't mean conspiracy theory in a negative way, but you have people's opinions of what the motivation is right. behind this. Um, so another one thing I, that I can tell you happens is landowners restrict access mm-hmm. to hunters, which I 100% firmly and behind their right to do that. It's their land and I'm m- more so more so than I'm a hunter. I'm an advocate of uh, an advocate of a person's privacy and right. the ability to do to control their own life. Um but when they do that and there's less hunters and in Montana you have some large chunks of land, right? You yeah. you know, it may someone may have 6, 8, 10, 20,000 acres um, that the hunting is controlled at least. Maybe some of them, there's no hunting. Maybe some of them, they're very expensive outfitted hunts. Mm-hmm. It's controlled. So there's absolutely no doubt that over time, I've literally seen it when scouting elk in Colorado, somewhere right around midnight on opening day, 
every elk you were watching that was on public land <laughs> yeah. ends up over in some private piece of property. Yep. And really, the scientific justification is just a whole bunch of people show up. And possibly, I don't know, possibly those animals have realized that in this time of year, when a bunch of those people show up, some of them are liable to shoot at you. I, I don't know the science of that. I will tell you that happens. Yeah. Right? Um. So then the landowners are getting a bunch of depredation. They don't think enough elk are being taken. The people hunting the public side of it, as well as the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, are saying the elk numbers are right. Yes, you may have a disproportionate number on your piece of property. Right. But that doesn't mean that we need to statewide harvest more elk. Right. And so you have it, – it's a complicated situation. Um, and one thing, I guess, when you have to kind of like – for me, you have to look for a a hook to hang your hat on in this deal – it's I don't want these decisions taken away from the biologists right. who have developed a very healthy elk herd in Montana. Um, so the, law, so I, the lawsuit claims that the number current the number of elk currently exceeds the objective by fifty thousand animals, and that the the lawsuit requests the judge declare elk regulations void. And require the um, the wildlife agency and the commission within 90 days to develop a plan to remove, harvest, or eliminate thousands of elk. Whew. <laughs> yeah, and if I'm a if I'm a cattleman, yeah, in Montana, and my hay, and it, it really does happen, folks. I'm telling you, they're not the ranchers aren't making this up. They'll have a year's worth of hay stacked, and if somehow the elk can get through, then they put up fences. Don't say they should put up fences because they do put up fences, and they run range riders. And I don't doubt that these landowners have a legitimate gripe. I just don't want them. I just don't think this is the answer, right? right? I think maybe the answer is, you know. One year, go into a conservation easement, or not easement is not the word, but Montana has a program where, uh, in Kansas, we called it Weehaw, which was walk-in hunting areas, private land, but the public was allowed to literally just park and yeah. walk onto it and hunt. Um, and I, I think there's some options like that, or, you know, run a little lottery for charity and let a hundred people come into your ranch next season and hunt cows. Yeah. You know, and actually reduce that population that's on your ranch, create that kind of habit dehabitualization and making them a little bit more scared of human beings and activities. Make your property not be a safe haven for elk. Right. Right. So now enter conspiracy the next conspiracy theory. I don't mean that in a negative way, or enter the next argument is the hunters and especially kind of the um you know the backcountry hunters and anglers crowd mm -hmm. and the group the the bow hunters and the the public land advocates and those guys are claiming that this is just 
a way for these landowners to get more permits to run $10,000 trophy elk hunts on their ranch. And I don't know. I don't know. I think they have a real legitimate problem. I think there's probably also some landowners that just want more permits to run expensive hunts on their ranch, right? It's a, it's a convoluted thing. Um, that and like you I said, guess, at what point, like you, every, I think every state wants and trusts their biologists to do what's best, you know, to know the numbers, to be able to put in place what is a reasonable number to be harvested every year. So at what point do you then say, well, I know better than the biologists because I see like, you know, if I suddenly have a herd on my property because hunting season is opened. I don't know. I still don't know more than the biologists do. I'm just seeing this little snapshot in time that directly impacts me instead of the overall 12 month. Where are they really? Where are they moving? And what's a sustainable right. number to, to harvest every year? And yeah, for fact, I, if people are interested in going elk hunting and, you know, taking a cow and getting some meat, they might want to pay attention to our upcoming supporters program for the month of July. That's true. Little supporters drive going when a, uh, one of two, right? Yes. You're hearing two it here. Not in, not in Montana, but, no. uh, Colorado. at an, at an incredible facility here in Colorado, a two person cow elk hunt. Um, and you just pay attention. We'll be launching that in July. Um, it's not in Montana, unfortunately, so you wouldn't be a part of solving this uh, problem of this lawsuit that's happening up there. Um, keep an eye on that. Yeah, exactly. At, a, at an incredible lodge with some great people um, in some beautiful country in Colorado. Nice segue. Nice tie in there. I know. I, that's because we our goal is 50 new supporters in the month of July. And, and this supporters program is incredible because the packages that we've put together, I think, are better than anything we've done before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll keep an eye out for that big launch in July of a supporters program drive. Um, next article. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington State yeah. has, has a troubled wolf pack, the Togo, a troubling, a troublemaking wolf pack. The Togo Wolfpack, as uh, they've issued a kill order, mm-hmm. um, I, I know it feels like we, I sometimes, I'm very passionate about this. Um, I worked a lot in uh, wolf legislation type stuff in my life, as well as I really feel like the state of Colorado made a gigantic mistake here in the in last November in an election, but um. The question that I want to throw out for you, Aaron, as well as anyone that wants to text us at 620-860-4804 or send us an email at info at bloodorigins.com. We had, and now I'm going to forget her name. We haven't released the the, uh, episode yet, but Robbie and I interviewed a former Department of Agricultural Animal Control person who spent a lot of time with wolves. And like we we interviewed her on a Tuesday and that Friday before was her last day of working against battling the wolves here in Colorado. 
she came right out and I asked her directly and, you know, obviously it's still her opinion, but nobody's more involved in it than her. Right. Nobody has been for the last, she did, I think she did it for like 11 or 12 years. Um, if the state of Washington had wolf hunting, would that lessen, I, I, I think it's silly to say it would eliminate. I think it was silly to say it would eliminate the need for government intervention. Um, but would it lessen that need? And how come that's not a viable trade-off for folks? No wolf hunting in Washington. Um, I do believe that some of the far eastern parts of Washington are included in the Rocky Mountain independent segment of wolves or distinctive population segment of wolves. So they actually could be like they're not on the ESA, but the rest of the state of Washington, including where the Togo pack is, wolves are an endangered species. Um, and I don't know, that's uh, I'd, I'd love I'd love to have that conversation with folks and see what people think. I know I have an opinion that I think, you know, you can tag I can tag on to that, too, with yesterday, a hiker um, pretty severely mauled by a grizzly in Wyoming. Um, why don't folks want hunters to manage those populations as well as induce a little bit of fear of humans in those animals and lessen these types of kind of shitty situations? I don't want the government gunning wolves down out of helicopters. I, I, I don't think that's not my idea of now I agree with it in this situation, but I, that's not, doesn't seem to me like the way that we ought to be handling this. Right. So the kill order is for one, one or two wolves. Right. Will that truly make a difference? I don't know enough about wolves, but would that truly make a difference to stop them from, you know, predation? I've never heard anyone, including we asked that specific question I'm going to have to look up her name here because okay. I feel like such an idiot that we just talked to her. But we asked that specific question of her, and she said, absolutely not. No. But if you have a pack that has settled in, right, like there's absolutely wolves that don't eat livestock very much, mm -hmm. okay? There's also absolutely wolf packs who realize that these big beef animals taste delicious. Can't, run, can't run very fast and are trapped inside fences and <laughs> taste delicious, right. right? They just do. And in her opinion, um, absolutely not. The whole in Allie, her name was Allie. Okay. And I apologize, Allie, for sounding like a buffoon that couldn't remember your name. She said that, that she's seen it. And once they make that decision, you know, there's, there's, there's the alpha male or the, you know, if you knock the right. alpha male out, this and it's not true. The rest of the pack just comes back two days later to continue eating your, right. your beef or your sheep. And yeah. so it, the article talks about the, the pack has a minimum of seven members per the state's 2021 wolf survey. So to me, it just seemed like you were, you know, you're going to go pick off a couple, but the next litter will more than make up for that. And you're not going to solve anything other than a public uproar 
that again gets the conversation going about wool. It doesn't actually solve anything. Right, and then the incredibly at least financial conservative in right. me is you're spending to get those two like people are gonna think I'm exaggerating, but the state's gonna spend twenty five thousand dollars. Easy. To to take those two wolves out and not accomplish anything except seem like they're trying to accomplish something. Right. Um, they're going to put helicopters in the air at thousands of dollars an hour. They're going to hire shooters. It's and if you if you had a wolf hunting season, or even the ability for hunters to step in in this case, that's not such a far shot thing. In fact, Nebraska, Southwest Nebraska has an elk problem right now. And they just, instead of having the government do it, they all got together and they created a July elk season in Nebraska to trim the elk down because they're all kind of settling into this one area. And what what they'll accomplish is trimming the herd down a little bit, as well as spooking them out and not letting them have this safe haven that's on this guy's agricultural property. Right. Right. And... The state will pick up money uh-huh. instead of instead of spending money, right? right? And and those are the I I can't um, I can't wrap my head around opposition to those things unless you're literally just a nothing should ever die ever person, and then I don't have an argument for you. That's fine that you have that opinion, but if you realize that hunting is a tool that needs to be used, why isn't it a tool that needs to be used? on all populations that are at a point that they're creating conflict. Right. Didn't they do a wolf hunt? Was it in Wisconsin? It, and they, it was set. So like there were so many wolves. And once they hit that quota, it was over. My friend Sky is a trapper out there, I believe. Um, yeah, they tried. Right. Um, I love the state of Wisconsin. They do some great things, but they botched that pretty bad in the sense that they didn't have a control mechanism. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers. I believe that there was the, the allotment was like 350 yeah, wolves. They blew past it. 150 of that went to the tribes, went, went to the, to the native mm-hmm. Americans in Wisconsin. They all decided they weren't going to do a hunt. Right. So I think the number was 200 was the quota. And there was something like. 250 yeah. ended up getting killed. No one did anything illegal. Um, daily quotas like that are, um, it's like the mountain lion hunt here in Colorado that, you know, our, the unit that I'm in, it may be opening day of mountain lion season. The quota is 28. Mm-hmm. And then every morning, if you're going to hunt cats, you get up and check the website and make sure there's some quota left. You're right. Um, but in that 24-hour period, if if you go over the quota, no one did anything wrong. It's there's that's a grace period. Yeah. Um, it's just the next morning when you get up and it says zero, the season's over. Well, I'm not sure of all the intrinsic details um, of how Wisconsin ran their quota communications, um, but they went over. They didn't actually go over the total number. Right. The wildlife and parks said could be killed, right. but they did go over the number allotted to hunters and trappers in the state of Wisconsin. But yeah, and chaos. It, it kind of 
the PR behind the going over was horrible for hunters. Right. Um, even though hunters, in my opinion, didn't do anything wrong. Wisconsin Wildlife and Parks didn't manage it correctly and ended up going about like 15, 20% over their actual quota. Oh, it's interesting. People, you know, hunting predators is not seen in the same light as hunting deer and elk. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. Why are the ones that do damage? Right. And do you think it's literally because... Well, first of all, I know one misconception that's out there, and I, I, I will admit right now, I don't know anyone that's ever eaten wolf. Um, but I do know that there's this misconception that nobody eats predators. Um, that's not even remotely true in the bear and mountain lion world, for sure. I had mountain lion backstrap this year, and it was as good as any pork I've ever had in my life. Um and I know that's a that you know that's probably part right of of the people that are opposed to its mindset um but I really don't get it. I don't understand how you don't I also think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of misinformation from the anti organizations right. Right. about them you know that that uh that their populations are in serious decline and and that it's because of hunting and, you know, it's, uh, that's part of it too. And it's hard for me to sometimes blame, pe- blame people when multiple organizations that seem like noble organizations, um, are communicating pretty much really just lies. Right. 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 To you about these things. That's, that's Senator, that's state Senator in San Francisco last year that went to le- went to make bear hunting illegal in California. I don't, I don't know how someone like that isn't like, there should be repercussions. He put in the bill that hunting was leading to a drastic decline in the bear population in California. And then literally everyone was like, right. Wait a second. The bear population is skyrocketing in California. Like yeah. you're just flat out lying right. to us. But people, we've so hit this point in our society where it's easier to just sort of take things as they come and not actually do some research to figure out what's factual and what's what's real data and what's just yeah. some propaganda put out there. Yeah, and I think that uh, the 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 anti-hunting organizations are phenomenal at their at their propaganda machine. Um, and it's a hard, you know, when, when you're the one, when you got one side that's, that's shooting the fuzzy little bear and one side that's not, it, it's, 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 you know, that's a, it's a complicated, uh, it's a complicated dynamic to, to work through that you have to work hard to get the facts out there and let people know. Yes. That's why I've been providing non-hunters with bear chili <laughs> yeah. and lecturing them since you know, 2014, when we battled the Humane Society in the state of Maine to keep our bear hunting. And they did the same thing. They they put it on TV of like 10 or 12 dogs 
basically attacking a bear on the ground. And so one of the ads that the pro hunting put out was like, we circled every single dog. And then we actually put in the statute that says you cannot have more than I think it's seven dogs. So right then and there, like that's not a legal representation of what we truly do. But right. Yeah. That's the hard part. As they start to, uh, as they as as they pull in unethical folks yes. who are killing an animal or even poachers right um and paint the entire hunting community that way it's a yeah right like it's a phenomenal tactic it, right. it, it's a, it's a, it's a great tactic on their part that's that's hard to combat speaking of maine mm-hmm. i know you're just dying and there's probably a lot of folks that we we have a we have a two-parter I did an interview with two different gentlemen. I interviewed two different gentlemen separately. Um, I'm anxious to hear it. You caused the whole thing too, because I've spent my you whole life like a troublemaker. Yeah, well, I think so. <laughs> I spent my whole life like hardline that I thought no hunting on Sundays was ridiculous. Okay. Um, even in a previous job, was part of you know, kind of a pack. Were we fighting each other? <laughs> um, I, it wasn't in Maine. I was never in Maine. Um, because, I, and I still think this is probably right. I think no hunting on Sundays in the States that it's left. I think it's original basis. Yes. Was probably your butt should be in church. Right. Someone, the, the church had, had enough influence in local in, in government that that's where that came from right. originally. Right. right? Um, and even it, I think even the fact that the majority of the no hunting on Sundays are Eastern States, because most of those laws are actually so old that there weren't Western States when they were passed. That's how old <laughs> these laws are. Yeah, right. In hundreds. Yeah. Like, like Puritans and Quakers yes. in, in their, in their no, no, nothing derogatory meant there, but no, right. back when they were a powerful entities and had people in government, that's where those laws came from. Right. Um, you brought up this point in Maine. Maine's a conundrum. Okay. I will tell you, I'm still a hardliner. People should be able to hunt on Sundays just like normal in everywhere except for Maine, <laughs> where it's more complicated. Right. Because because of the what's the law called? Is it a reverse trespass? Yeah. A permit, permissive trespass? No, it's it's reverse posting. So, and it, let me try to explain it and then correct me. Okay. In Maine, if it's not, you can go anywhere unless it's posted. Correct. So, for those of you that don't know. Maybe there's someone in Maine that's never been anywhere else. I think Maine is the only state like that's probably not true. There's probably other states, but I don't know of another state like that. In every other state, it is the outdoor recreationists responsibility mm-hmm. to have permission and know where they're at. Right. Right? Like if you're in Colorado and you accidentally wander onto some private ground, you're in trouble. Right. Right. Like whether it's posted or not, doesn't have to be posted, doesn't have to be fenced. You better have permission that weirdly, although it doesn't seem like it has crap to do with 
Sunday hunting is what clouds up Maine's Sunday hunting (laughs) thing for me because you said, or you you in a in a podcast with Robbie said, there's a group of landowners who have come together and said, hey, we still don't want hunting on Sundays because we let people hunt on our land six days a week, right? And we like the peace and quiet, or or we we like one day where they're not hunting. It doesn't matter what your definition of it is. Right. And as I previously in this episode dug a hole for myself and said that I am more than I'm a hunter, I'm an advocate of privacy and the the right to your own kingdom, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> I still don't like it. I still don't like. <laughs> I still don't like the fact that there's a there is a guy who works as a plumber in Bangor, 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 who who only gets to hunt one day a week because of that rule. And then my argument to you multiple times is that. Hunting season does not change. Like, take a day off. Take two days off. Take a week off. Um, but That sounds very much like Nancy Pelosi telling me to get an electric car because gas prices are high. Well, I'm not going to get into politics at this point in time with you because <laughs> that will be a whole different podcast. Um, but I looked up the numbers because I'm this type of person. And I looked up the harvest numbers for both bear and deer. So we still don't have Sunday hunting. But we had the best deer harvest this past year. Uh, since 68, we had almost 40,000 deer killed. So even though you only get six days a week to hunt, we are killing more deer. So there's more opportunity to kill more deer than we have in the past, what, 40, 60 years? You don't know there's more opportunity. You don't know know there's more opportunity. You know there's more more participation. Well, there's well no because hunting numbers are still sort of declining. The only population in the state of Maine that's increasing is women. So unless I mean maybe it's just more women are out there killing more deer, but since 18 our numbers have consistently sort of gone up for for deer harvested. The number of bear, same thing. It jumped almost it jumped 1500 bear from 19 to 20. And then it dropped off about 121. But So we're killing more animals than ever before. We still can only hunt six days a week. I just, here's what I don't like, okay? <laughs> and I've admitted, on every one of these episodes, I've admitted that because of the landowner thing, right. this, is, this is a deeper issue than I thought it was. Correct. Okay? Yes. I don't like two things. The top one goes back to my landowner thing that if I've got 600 acres in Maine, I can't hunt it on Sunday. Right. I don't like that. That doesn't have, there's no argument for that, that, and Don, who is an insanely intelligent and thoughtful man, yeah. um, kind of came with this, the boundary lines aren't marked very well. Um, how would we enforce 
Well, and it's hard because, okay, so I have a thousand acres. If you come over and go hunting, are you allowed to even go hunting if you're on my property? Or would it just be me? Would it only be, be like, if, so my dad's name is technically on it and then I'm the second. So would he get priority over me and I'm not allowed to go hunting even though it's, you know, family owned? Is it only the person that's on that deed for that property? Or do you invite your friends? Do you invite your family? In that case, where are the boundary lines? Because I could stick you on that piece of property and you would might end up in Timbuktu and I'd have to come find you. Yeah, I get that it would be complicated. And that was kind of a of a um, um that was one of Don's well thought out arguments. I'm not saying it wasn't a worthwhile argument. Um I'm gonna tell you that in my opinion it's worth the complications for a person to be able to hunt their own ground. Um, and it's worth the complications. Like I would, I would be more in favor of no hunting on Tuesdays because I, I mean, as a, and until I got into my, you know, late thirties and started working from home and kind of little flex get, you know, like, Hey boss, I'm, it's going to be noon before I'm on my computer tomorrow. Saturday and Sunday was all I had. And and it, it was all I had. And if someone took 50% of that away from me, um, and, and I get that no one in Maine's ever had it. So it's not being taken away, but it's, it's being restricted. Um, I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. I can't come to, you know, your dad and we make an agreement that I can hunt on the weekends. We can only make an agreement that I hunt on Saturday and I got to drive three hours to that piece of property from where I live in town. It, it, it's a, it's a rule that complicates folks who are less fortunate in the hunting realm and in their personal lives than you and I with that, with your thousand acres and with right. my just ridiculously flexible schedule, it complicates things for folks who, you know, who, who are, who, who do get up and, and from eight to nine to five Monday through Friday now have literally one day. Right. And, and I think there's a, I think there's a compromise there. Um, Anyway, I, I don't know. I also, if every single th time I've said, I live in Colorado. I'm also a firm believer in this. I'm a firm believer in states' rights. This is none of my damn business. <laughs> if someone tries to bring it in Colorado, um, I, I would be hardline fighting, be opposed to a ban on Sunday hunting. Right. And I, it's not that I don't get the arguments. Um. I get the arguments on both sides kind of almost equally. It's just, I feel like there's a group of people who are having something taken away from them. And, and they're, they're the group of people who like, ah, just take a day off is, is some of them is not an option. Right. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not, I, or maybe we're over talking it. I wanted to have the conversation one time with you because I knew that you had good points and wow. some passion about it. Wound up about it. No, it'll be interesting to see. I think that there are too many groups, too many conservation groups, too many woodland owners, guides, hunters, 
conservation, you know, the Don used to be the executive director for the Maine, Maine Professional Guides Association. So many groups are against it um, that I think it's, it, I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think it'll be still no Sunday hunting. It won't, you know, for those of us that only are fairly new to hunting, I've only been hunting for 20 years. It doesn't phase me a bit. It just sort of, it is. It is what it is. I take time off during hunting season so that I'm in the woods. And that's, that's what I do. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I do. But, uh. But it's weird being on the outside looking in. Cause you're like, I don't, I don't get any of this. No, I don't get why. <laughs> I don't get why you wouldn't want hunting on Sundays. I don't. I mean, I understand all the points, but I don't get why. All, all I can think about is one of two things. Like, I'm probably enough of a rebel that you couldn't tell me I wasn't going to hunt my own land on Sundays, right? Like, you'd you'd know the game warden really well. Well, <laughs> I don't want I don't want to say that, but I would have a real legitimate problem with that. Um, and then I just feel for guys. I've been there. You know, I mean, I got out of the Marine Corps working two jobs, you know, had a kid way early in life and just take a day off wasn't an option. And most of the time, you know, by the time my kid was three, we were playing some ridiculous dodgeballs, basketball, volleyball, something on Saturdays. Yep. And, and, uh, yeah, it's a... I don't know. It's contentious. I will admit, I don't like to see these things go to the courts like this. Right. Um, but I think, I also think that in defense of the folks that took it to court, uh, they got their butts kicked for a really long time using all of the other avenues, right? It wasn't like they just took it to court because they assumed they were going to lose in other avenues. they had lost in other avenues. Well, and we also um, have the right to food amendment. So that's, that's what they're basing it on. Yeah. And I'm not real. I, I'll admit I'm not real hot on that argument. Like, I don't, I, I think there's better arguments mm-hmm. to be had. Um, it doesn't say the right to hunt for your food seven days a week in that amendment, right? Like that's, it's, it's, that's a gray. Uh, well, and the word, the word harvest was put in there specifically focused on hunting in the mindset that when the Humane Society comes back, we have a constitutional amendment that says we can in fact hunt. So they can't take hunting away from us. I mean, that, that was sort of the, the seed, if you will, to get back to your gardening analogy, the seed that was planted um, around that right to food, right to harvest. Yeah. I like that amendment. I'm I'm in I'm fully in favor of of that amendment and like it. Um, I also want people to be able to hunt on Sundays. I just don't think through that amendment is the route that makes the most right sense to me. Also, I'm sitting in Colorado where I can hunt seven days a week, right. and I'm my property literally touches 300,000 acres of public ground. So I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight, but uh, I do think it's worth discussing. I think it's a, I think it's a fun conversation. Although at some point that lawsuit is going to get decided and somebody's not, one side's not going to think it's fun anymore. Right. Right. 
two great guys that I talked to. That's coming out um, in a release here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to drop two episodes in one day. Um, one being my conversation with Jared, um, who was actually involved in the lawsuit. Yep. Um, I don't want to misportray his involvement, but I think he's kind of one of the leaders of the lawsuit. I think that's a fair statement. Yep. Um, and then also with Don, who is, uh, you know, uh, been around a lot of years in Maine outdoors in a professional sense, in a personal sense, in a political sense, in a, in an association sense. Um, and both those guys, Don kind of stand, not, not kind of, Don stands on the, uh, let's not, let's keep not hunting on Sundays Correct. side of things. Um, with some incredibly valid points that still didn't quite. <laughs> They'll be good podcasts. I'm anxious to hear them. Yeah, they were. They were both really good. Both very, uh, you know, in, in intelligent, well-spoken and well-mannered people. There's no point in these types of debates getting, getting nasty. And yeah. these aren't the type of guys that we're going to do yeah. that. So we got the right guests. Awesome. Well, yay. I saw it on, uh, Robbie got on the plane today, I believe. I think it's okay to say, I shouldn't say that people are away on vacation, um, but he also just moved, so nobody knows where he lives, they can't rob his house. Right. Which plane? To Australia. Why did I think he was already there? Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was an old Facebook post. I saw on Facebook they were at the airport. Oh, that's an old post. That's like old gold. Uh, I don't get on Facebook very often. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I need to know where he is. I thought he was already over there. Oh, well, that's good. He's in a different, drastically different set of time zones now. And yet he's really still move. working, even though he shouldn't be. Yeah, I know. I've told him to lay off, too. We've got the reins of this thing. Come out better if him being gone for a couple right. weeks, probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. Best, best yeah. podcast reviews and feedback. and. Exactly. Like we did just get a text while we were on air. Excellent. From Nathan. Oh. We were supposed to send Nathan some stickers, and it doesn't look like Robbie did it. <laughs> He's in Australia. Nathan, we will get you some stickers. I guarantee it. Nathan from Denton, Texas. We will get you some stickers. My apologies, Robbie. is just... Uh, or it's possible I didn't communicate it to Robbie. Either way, we'll get you some stickers. Right. Anyway, and any for, of the, huh? Go ahead. I was gonna say just a reminder to folks to pay, pay attention to our supporters program for July. Right, big announcement coming up. Big opportunities there. If you're a member of the supporters program, if you want to send us a comment, six two zero eight six zero forty eight zero four, or info at bloodorigins.com. Thanks for listening. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.